Coming up on today's show, three hot hacks, choosing masks, understanding Simple DMX, and how to use Spotify ads for your haunt. From the High Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is day 49 of our 61-day Hauntathon counting down to Halloween. Today is Tuesday, October 19th, and there are only 12 days until Halloween. The best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our Hauntathon with someone you think will enjoy it. And to follow along to our Hauntathon, sign up for our weekly free newsletter at hauntattractionnetwork.com. First up, Scott Swenson on choosing masks for your haunt. Hi, Scott Swenson here from Scott Swenson Creative Development and the host of A Scott in the Dark periodic podcast for haunters with another haunters hack. In this particular haunters hack, we're going to talk about masks and I got a lot to talk about. So I'm going to dive right in and I'm going to go real fast. So bear with me. Uh, There's always been this argument back and forth as to whether you should do masks or makeup. Um, My answer to that or my suggestion for that is it just depends. It depends on what you're trying to do. You know, uh, people often think if you're going to use a mask, it has to be a silicone mask. That seems to be the industry standard. And silicone masks are great. They are very flexible. They're very expressive. Um, they are also very expensive, and they're hard. To, they're not hard to care for, but they require some additional care and attention. Uh, I, I think they're great for certain things, especially if you're doing like old old age characters, and everybody in your cast is like twenty and under. Uh, they're, they're really cool for that, and you can make some very convincing old age people. One of the things I would suggest is if you are going to use a silicone mask um, and you're lucky enough to actually make your own. Now, this was actually constructed for me several years ago. Um, a couple things to remember. Number one, uh, make sure that you... Um, Make, make sure that they are built so that they have some sort of stabilization or support in them, whether that is a mesh that is actually put into or embedded in the silicone or a mesh uh, that goes inside the casting. Secondly, and this is the best recommendation I can make if you're going to make your own silicone masks, make it, especially if you're doing zombies, try to find a way to make it so that there is an opening in the top of the mask, in the, if, especially if it's a full head mask, that there's an opening that you can pull the actor's hair through. It does two things. Number one, it helps hide the edges of the mask. It also provides a great deal of cooling, especially in warmer climates. Actually, even in colder climates, they're silicone. They're warm. Um, because they are warm, have a bucket of ice water next to the performer. So between guests or on their breaks, they can take it out, dip it in the ice water, and put it right back on. It's almost refreshing. Notice I said almost. So if you're not going to do silicone masks and you want to do something else, and, and let's face it, there are times that silicone masks may not be the right thing to do. For example, if you're doing something post-apocalyptic and you want to do something um, a little more mechanical, you may not need to invest in a silicone mask. Here's an example. Um, this is this mask here is what I call the post-apocalyptic clown mask. And it's um, that's probably not what they call it, but it's what I call it. And if you are just listening to this and can't actually see it, uh, you can see very similar masks on um, Dead Rabbit Studios website because that's who it came from. It's one of their masks. And it looks like it's made of metal. It's not. It's very light. It's uh, it's a cast resin or plastic. Um, and it the thing I, a couple things I like about it, in the back, it's got a great way to harness it onto your head, which even looks cool, especially if you're doing something post-apocalyptic. Um, and it fits really well. It's got goggles so that it covers the eyes completely, so you don't need to do any eye makeup underneath. And the jaw mechanism actually works. And when it's being worn, the chin makes the jaw move so the performer can can actually talk pretty comfortably. So you don't necessarily have to, and they're significantly more cost-effective than a silicone mask. So if that's what you're doing, don't, don't, uh, don't shoot your wad or blow your budget on a, uh, 
on a silicone mask because this works just as well. And in fact, my opinion, better than a silicone mask would work. Another thing I always like to suggest is think about half masks whenever you can. Again, especially if you're in a warmer climate. Much of what I do is in Florida. So uh, I, I think warmer climate is important. Half masks, masks are great because you can combine them with makeup. Um, this is a, a half mask slash beautiful piece of artwork. It's a leather mask. Um, it's by my dear, dear friends, the people who, um, who run Scared of My Shadow. And the nice thing about this mask, again, really comfortable way to attach it in the back. Uh, and being a half mask, it means that the performer can, can, can speak, can talk un, unencumbered. Uh, I hate it when you have perform, performers who are wearing full face masks and they're talking from inside the mask. It immediately says, oh, they're wearing a mask. It's not real. But with a half mask and the right makeup, you can just kind of blend it all together. Now, uh, you've heard me say a couple of times, either black out the eyes or makeup to, to smooth the edges of your, of your mask. And I think that is really, really important. Um, even if it's just putting black around the eyes so that you don't see the performer's skin inside the mask, if it's a half mask, obviously you need to do the rest of the face. If you're creating a character that is actually wearing a mask, so it's a character that it has a mask like made of human skin or whatever don't forget the character underneath what does their skin look like and that's probably something you need to do with makeup and finally uh looking at maintenance obviously silicone masks require um a lot of care you can't just take them and, and throw them into a bag um, i would strongly recommend having head forms for them because again they're a big investment the same is true with a leather mask um if you're sharing masks which I don't recommend, but you obviously have to clean them out at some point in time because somebody else has to wear them, you know, some maybe the next season. Uh, strongest recommendation I have, and this actually works for costumes as well, is a spray bottle filled with vodka and water. Now, yes, you are going to have your performers going, I need my, my spray bottle for vodka and water refilled tonight. Yeah, they're not going to use that much. All right. So keep an eye on that and make sure that you're not encouraging your cast members to be drunk while they're out there scaring guests because that could mean a lawsuit and that's not good. And any of the vodka and water that you have left over at the end of the season, then you have it ready for a cast party. So um, that's my haunt hack about masks. If you would like to learn more about how I view haunting and, and some of my other suggestions, please check out my books, uh, follow the story, The 13 Commandments of Haunting, or if you just want some creepy poetry, um, Awake in the Dark is another, another book. All of those are available online. And, or you can listen to my podcast, A Scott in the Dark, right here on the Haunted Attraction Network. Or you can visit scottswenson.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter. Until next time, this is Scott Swenson saying, happy haunting. Next up, here's Julia from Gantam Lighting to discuss Simple DMX. Hey guys, it's Julia with Gantam Lighting and Controls. And to celebrate the countdown to Halloween, I'm here to share some lighting tips and tricks. Whether you're a seasoned professional or are taking a stab at lighting your own haunt for the first time, these are some great ways to get the most mileage out of your lighting looks. Uh, today's tip, don't let DMX intimidate you. Um, for those of you who run haunts and don't have a dedicated lighting person or have never worked in lighting, the only experience you have is what you do for your attraction each season, um, DMX might sound like this abstract, complicated, confusing thing that you just don't mess with uh, because you don't have time to learn this in addition to the hundreds of other things I'm sure you have to do. Um, I'm here to tell you DMX is not as scary as it sounds and you can use DMX without even using DMX. Um, a lot of times fixtures, uh, especially LED color mixing lights that are designed to be used with DMX, which is just a lighting protocol for control. 
um, don't even really need DMX to do interesting things. Uh, some lights have built-in effects and a lot of lights allow you to set levels without running any control wires to them. So you just add power and then there's sometimes a panel or some sort of external device that'll allow you to calibrate what you want the LEDs to do. So if you really want to have fine-tuned color mixing, maybe you have a space where you really are going for this particular shade of blue or kind of a rusty amber, you can take one of these DMX controlled color mixing lights and without any controls or cables connected to the fixture, dial in those red, green, and blue levels to really find the shade and color that you want. Um, again, a lot of these fixtures will have dials on the back or some have little standalone devices that'll allow you to input the numbers and also set the intensity. Um, maybe you don't want the lights on at full brightness, you want them on, but just like a little bit lower because you don't want it overpowering something else in your space. Um, maybe check some user manuals, watch some tutorial videos, see if the lights you're interested in using have these features, um, but don't run at the site of DMX. And if you've been using uh, traditional or practical light sources and using gel or some other method for coloring the lights, uh, check out LED lights that are designed for DMX. Um, you'd be impressed and surprised what they can do on their own without even needing a DMX signal input. Um, they're also gonna be a lot uh, cooler typically if they're LEDs, um, which is gonna A, save on your electrical bills and also be a little bit safer in terms of avoiding potential fire hazards. Um, again, you can also try out some uh, intro level DMX controllers. There's a lot of controllers that are uh, fairly intuitive, have some sort of programming interface built into the computer that is free, so if you buy the controller, uh, your DMX controls are actually a free computer program. Um, and these will a lot of times store the effects that you build so you don't need any extra hardware. Everything plays back on the same device you just used. Uh, this is a great way to get entry-level experience into using DMX controls and it'll allow you to build really interesting uh, dynamic scenes that you can change between. Um, and a lot of times, they're good from season to season. So once you've got it programmed, as long as you label everything and use the lights the way you had them the year before, you won't have to rebuild it from scratch. So if you've never used DMX, maybe this is the year to try it out. Maybe next year is the year to try it out, but just know it's not as intimidating as it sounds and it can give you so much versatility with your lighting, uh, take you to a whole new level with your experience. Um, thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you next time on the Haunted Attractions Network. And finally, here's Tim from Scary Good Marketing on how to set up Spotify ads for your haunt. My name is Tim. I'm one of the co-founders here at Scary Good Marketing. And today I want to talk to you about really what I consider the forgotten ad platform, Spotify. Now, Spotify, I think, is one of the ad platforms that is forgotten about sometimes. A lot of people, I think, have this misconception that it can become really expensive because if you've ever run a radio ad or looked into radio, you can tell that it can become expensive sometimes to run ads on the radio. 
But the reality is radio is slowly dying and places like Spotify, Pandora and on like listening to music, podcasts, that kind of stuff online is continuing to increase. And the great thing is with Spotify, you can run a ad for as little as 250 bucks. So these are 30 second audio ads that you can run. Now it's not as in depth as maybe Facebook or Google, but the great thing is you can target your ad to go out to people based on their age range, based on their interests and things that they listen to, as well as a geolocation. So if you know that you only want to target people maybe in a five mile radius or a 10 mile radius of your haunt, or if you want to target cities, whatever you want to do, you can do that, which is fantastic. So you know that your ad is going directly to a specific listener that is more more likely to actually go to your event. If you are somebody that doesn't really want to do the audio portion or really know how to do it, Spotify will actually do the ad for you. So they have voiceover people that will create the ad. You just have to essentially give them a script. And I believe the script has to be 77 words or less. And what they'll do is they'll take that script and, and any information that you give them, they will create the ad and then they will send you a copy of it. You just have to approve it. And then once it's approved, then you can go and your ad can start running. And the other benefit versus traditional advertising with Spotify, when they're listening to it, if it's something they're interested in, they can really just open up their phone click on your little image and it will redirect them to any website URL that you want. So this is fantastic because you can send them directly to where they can buy your tickets. You can send them to your website. And what we recommend is in a previous episode, we talked about email marketing. So if you have a specific offer, what you do is you send them to an opt-in form where they put in their name and their email. And then what you're doing is you're building your email list. And then the other thing you can do is you can add a line on there asking how they heard about you and you just add Spotify. And then that way you can track to see how many people are coming from your Spotify ad. And it's a really great way to just streamline the process versus traditional radio ads. If you want more information about Spotify ads in particular, we put together an entire resource section on our website that you can go to scarygoodmarketing.com slash haunter. So I highly encourage you to definitely check out Spotify ads because of how affordable they are and how much better they can work than maybe your traditional radio ads. Today's episode was produced by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Stay up to date this season with our free weekly newsletter. Sign up at hauntedattractionnetwork.com. We're counting down to Halloween with daily podcasts in our 61-day Hauntathon. Our Hauntathon is made possible through generous support from Gantam Lighting and Controls. We'll see you back here tomorrow and every day until Halloween. This is a Haunted Attraction Network.